Welcome to Lights for Learning. Being poor is not supposed to be a cause for them to despair. Education should be their, their hope, their light at the end of the tunnel. Hello, my name is Adam Larking and you're listening to Lights for Learning, a UK-based charity whose mission is to help bring light to those in the shadows and to enable education to come out of the dark. At the very beginning of this programme, you heard Mayor Bing Leonardia of Bacolod City and we'll be hearing more from him in part two. Meanwhile, I'll be taking you through the work that we carried out during our stay in the Philippines. Now, in essence, Lights for Learning provide lighting systems for places of education that have no access to powered artificial light. The team, who are based in Cricklade in Wiltshire, work together to produce versatile kits that utilise solar energy from the day to charge batteries that then, at night, power highly efficient and long-lasting, very bright LED-clustered light bulbs. On the 9th of November 2007, a team from Lights for Learning, consisting of founders Roger and Jean Muggridge, project manager Peter Jennett, logistics coordinator Mike Noble, fittings designer Chris Larking and three further volunteers, Sue, Michelle and Andrew, all flew from Heathrow to Manila in the Philippines. From there, we travelled south, southeast to the island of Negros, one of the 7,107 inhabited islands that make up the Philippines. Here, just outside Bacolod City, in the western Negros province, is the Welcome Home School for Deaf Mutes and their children. And it was this small community in which the lights were to be installed. Here's the village's project director, Santiago Franco, to explain how he and his fellow volunteer group, Couples for Christ, set up the village. Okay, uh, my name is uh, Santiago Franco, and I'm the project director in this uh, village. We have uh, seven deaf-mute families, and our group here built these homes for them because they come from uh, shanty homes. So our group, Couples for Christ and uh, Welcome Home, joined together to give them homes and to give them uh, education. It was Santiago's daughter in the US who had originally written to Lights for Learning, asking if she could purchase some solar panels for her father's school. And this simple request turned into this project. Why does the Welcome Home Village need the lights? Well, uh, the families here, they can't afford the, the cost of electricity. They, uh, we always have to come out... Uh, Sometimes every month to bail them out. And uh, not all the time people are happy to shell out money for the people here. So yeah, my, when my daughter heard that uh, we were having problem with the... And this is Ditas? Ditas, yeah. This, this is Ditas, my daughter. With uh, paying the electricity for the beneficiaries here. She, she's on the website. 
So that is how she got hold of uh, Roger. So the prohibitive cost of electricity to the beneficiaries, the unreliable nature of the supply of electricity and the need to be able to educate the children beyond duskfall led to our presence there. Now, while we were there, we discovered that the Welcome Home project is just one example of many communities that are being built in the nation's attempt to bring the poorest families out of the shanty towns. Encouraging them to move into these areas provides them with sanitation, shelter, education and ties with other established communities, which in turn brings opportunities for livelihoods and further education. As we learned, it's the people themselves who are making this happen, with wealthier Filipinos actually donating their land and their resources to this cause. And it's become a national movement entitled Gawad Kalinga, often referred to simply as GK. Uh, my name is Bob Magalona. Um, I'm the GK provincial head, but I'm also a businessman. You know, So this is really my um, other work. It's all volunteer work, but it occupies half of my time. GK means uh, Gawad Kalinga. It's a Tagalog word. In English, it means to give care. And uh, this is a movement that was started about seven years ago by uh, Filipinos, uh, basically to just, you know, help the least among us. It has now grown all over the country, thousands of volunteers. We are now in more than 1,200 communities all over the Philippines, and uh, we have built over 30-plus 30, 30 thousand houses. So a typical house at the Welcome Home School, it's very, very basic. It's about 15 feet by 15 feet as a footprint. And you've got uh, one living area, which spans the breadth of the building. Towards the back of the house, you've got two rooms that are divided basically by a very thin bit of uh, wood. Uh, There's no ceiling. So the partition wall uh, has a gap over it that you could throw things over to the other, other room. And it's a corrugated iron roof held with uh, wooden joists. It's quite, quite dark in here. There's also a little cubicle of a toilet in the living area. Uh, not a flush toilet. So very basic. There's a, a sink, like a kitchen sink. And that's it. That's it, really. Very, very basic. It's a, a shack with partition walls. That's essentially what it is. Uh, but some of the uh, some of the people who live here have made theirs into really nice little homes with uh, fabric hangings, um, pictures up, um, nice sort of uh, bed linen. Uh, you know, making it their their home. So it's all very nice and homely. How important are the lights going to be to the education? Well, it's very important uh, because most of the teachers here, since they are underpaid. Although we try to give them a living wage, but still uh, they try to load the children with homework and they have to study at night. If they study at night, they have to use the power from the electric plant. And uh, this is too costly for them. They can't afford and that's what's happening. It also doesn't seem to be very reliable power either. Most of the time, there are brownouts here. So the school, uh, maybe we can have a schedule that they can have some night... Uh, 
teachings because we have two teachers who live in this in this village and that would be a great help for, for the teachers and for all the students here especially the ones from the nearby community What's the objective or the objectives of Gawad Kalinga? Well, we have a sort of a vision. Bob Magalona again. And that vision is called a GK777. And that means to build 700,000 homes in 7,000 communities in seven years. It's a big target, you know, I mean, but uh, it's something really to move us. We may we, or we may not reach it but I think the more important point is uh, we want to recognize that there is a need to really uh, do a, a, a big effort because the problem of poverty in our country is very big and so it also calls for a, really a concerted effort to address it. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Hi, how are you? The Lights for Learning team was generously hosted by the Bacalod Couples for Christ group. We were in separate locations around the city and each morning we would meet up at the site to plan our day's work. On our arrival at the community, we unpacked the equipment into a makeshift storeroom. Busily taking stock and organising the equipment is Lights for Learning's Sue Larking. What are we doing here? Sorting all the wires and all the pieces, piling them all up. All the batteries, all the boxes, all the lights, just so that we know where everything is, so that when we want something for a house, we can come in and pick it straight out. And you're in charge of the uh, stock? I, I'm the gopher. I go and get this and I go and get that, so that I have to know where everything is. Stores lady. Yes. So while stores lady Sue was organising the kit, I distracted the curious little fingers of the village's children by getting to know them a little better. So you're, you're Edgar. What's your name? Mister. Oh, okay. What's your name? Hande. Hande. <laughs> Raymond. Raymond. Michael. Michael. Jordi. 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 Nice to meet you. What's your name? Josie. Josie. Okay, I'm going to forget everyone's name. What's your name? Meta Joey. What's your name? Adam. 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 Before entering a house, we made sure that we took away from the storeroom the right equipment. The charity's electrical engineer, Roger, provided each team member with a diagram of how the kit should be put together and installed. Here's Lights for Learning's Mike Noble. So Mike, can you just take us quickly through the, the diagram? Yeah, sure. And what we've got in front of us. What we're doing, we just laid out on the floor um, in the same way as the diagram to check the, the connections. And we have, um, the first thing is a cable coming down from the solar panel, which feeds into the uh, master box. And from the master box to the battery, and on the way down to the master box, there's a splitter which takes the cable over to a second master box for the second house. We feed out power from the battery 
um, going firstly to a switch on the master box itself which feeds the two lamps for the living room and then a second cable feeding out into two series switch boxes which gives us one switch for bedroom one and one switch for bedroom two. So we've got one battery per house? One, one per house and one solar panel per two houses for efficiency um, and every room individually switched. Can you briefly describe GK's particular role in the Welcome Home School, where we've been installing the lights? Okay, that particular community has uh, targeted the deaf families, and uh, GK has taken the responsibility to be a caretaker team for the whole community. So we have a team there that oversees the families, teaches them value formation, uh, guides husband and wife, to become more responsible, even to their children especially, and then also to reach out to the neighboring communities as well. We hope that, uh, you know, by starting there, then we can probably move on to the other areas as well. The Welcome Home Village is roughly the size of a small football pitch. Once through the gate, the visitor sees a central meeting area under a tall corrugated iron gazebo structure. There's a modest patch of plants, all growing in pots made of bin bags, which protects their roots from the high spring tides that flood the compound each year. There's a water pump, and at the far end is a large schoolhouse. Along the right of the area are the two rows of shed-like houses, with their front doors facing each other over a narrow footpath. There's a pigsty and a hen house in the far corner, and a further building which we used for the equipment. A newly constructed wall encloses the village. I started walking from the houses and we can see how relatively small the area is because as I come to the end of the row here this is, there you go, in, in that space of time I have I've come to the end of the row of houses uh, One thing I've been quite impressed with is the use of uh, tyres uh, where they obviously snip them in half and then bend them so that they're inside out and stitch them together again and they make a rather impressive looking pot a rubber pot and they've got in the, just at the end of the houses a little hen house <laughs> five chickens one's trying to uh, fly at me As part of this trip, the local media were interested in our work and we had visits from TV crew, meetings with two mayors and a provincial governor and three members of our team sat somewhat uncomfortably through an independent television chat show. Uh, this is Monday uh, of the first week and uh, we've arrived early for the film crew that are supposed to be turning up and they're not here yet. But while we've been waiting around, uh, we've been watching... Uh, a man collecting coconut juice. He's been climbing up the, the palm trees and collecting the juice in a large bamboo cane, like a long jug, which hooks over his shoulder. And he's going to be using that juice to produce coconut wine or coconut vinegar. But those are from the palm trees that line the wall. Peter, so the progress this morning, what's, what's been going on this morning? Progress has been a little bit slow. We were waiting around for the local TV company to come along. However, what we have done is the central meeting area we have put lights in already. Uh, we've 
started on the third and fourth houses and we're now just leaving to go and meet the governor so all in all it's been a, a good morning a bit slower than expected but that's the way things go so we're off to meet the governor of negros occidental why are we doing that what's what's, what's behind that behind this the governor is very keen to meet us and thank us for the, what we're doing within this charity um, it's also a social thing it's a, a politeness thing a cultural thing that we have to do this and it's, it's interesting to do so we're more than happy to do it before Lights for Learning agree to commit to installing lights into any community, there must be reassurances that they will be as secure as possible. We recognise that there's no point putting groups of vulnerable people at risk by giving them something that will potentially be coveted by others in the area, and in the case of the Welcome Home community, Santiago Franco's Couples for Christ group ensured a tall security wall was built around the community before we arrived. Yeah. So how long did it take to get the wall up? Uh, we start doing it about, uh, it took us about four months. Four months. Okay. Because we, at the same time, we have to raise the money also. Yeah. 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 We used to plant the uh, vegetable yeah. here. Right. But uh, because when it flooded, so the seawater uh, destroyed all destroyed. the And even the, 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 the well that we used to have, you know, it, uh, the water that's coming out becomes salty. Yeah. So we have to dig another, another new well, a deeper one. Uh, that's, that's the piggery that uh, we put up also for them. Okay. We, we, we taught them how to breed. So there was a sow that's about to give birth, I think, uh, 12 piglets. Uh, okay. Yeah. All died, you know, because <laughs> they don't know how to take care of it. And they wouldn't know whether the mother is uh, lying on the piglets because, you know, the piglets yeah. would squeak and they cannot hear, so... <laughs> So we're here at the end of our first hard day's work. Uh, we've got two houses completed. Mike, what problems have we come across in our first couple of houses? Um, we've had problems with the, with the wood in some of the houses already. Um, the, the quality is variable because of termites and so on. Um, and they, it, it can mean that we have to search around for a, a piece of wood that's good enough to screw into or stick a nail into. The roofs are quite steep and slippy, so we, we have to... Um, look into that tomorrow to make a, a safer way of getting up onto the roofs really. otherwise just the normal challenges because nothing is ever the same every house is different every classroom is different we just have to adapt to did it take, did it take as long as you expected it to uh, much longer today but the first day is always a bit of a, a learning curve even though you've done it several times before so how does our actual work and the donations given to lights for learning sit within the bigger picture Geographically, the Philippines lie in between Southeast Asia and Australia. Life expectancy is around 70 years. However, in the recent United Nations Human Development Index, it ranks 90th out of 177 countries. And there's a considerable gap between the ruling and administrative classes and the shantytown dwellers. Gawad Kalinga is a clear effort by the country and its people from all over these islands to narrow this gap between the haves and the have-nots. 
In this context, our work was a mere drop in the ocean. But as we were reminded by both sides of this gap, our contribution was a deeply valued one in the realisation of Goward Kalinga's vision. You say it's a movement, yes. but it's a, bit, it's a bit more complex than that, isn't it? Here's more about GK from Bob Magalona. Well, this was started by one group called Couples for Christ. It is now a, uh, a movement that has involved the different sectors of our society. It has been embraced by both the private and the public sectors. It has united a lot of us Filipinos. What's your name? Maria Joy. I'm schooling. You're schooling? You're studying here. What's your favourite subject? English. English. Are you very good at it? Yes. <laughs> Have you seen the lights? Yes. Do you like them? Yes. Do you think they're going to be useful? Yes. <laughs> I hear that you've got a great success story with different faiths in one of your communities. Yes. Um, can you tell me a bit more about that? Yes. I mean, the Filipinos are, we have a predominantly Christian nation, but we have a big population in Mindanao that's uh, Muslim. Because of what we're doing, Christians work together with Muslims in building houses in the community, particularly uh, one community where they say it's uh, no man's land for Christians. That's in Camp Abubakar in Mindanao. That used to be a, a Muslim stronghold. But today when you go there, there are uh, communities, houses built by Christians together with Muslims. And, you know, it, it's really a, it's something that... That's that really must make you feel yeah, very, yeah, yeah. very good. Yes, and I think it's something that the world can also maybe uh, adopt in bringing peace to the world. I mean, especially with what's happening today, and it's it's really a very strong message that uh, we can respect each other's religion. We might not have the same beliefs, but there are so many things that can unite us. Hello, hello, and your name is Jetsai. I'm Joventeson. I'm Jean and Bologna. <laughs> I'm Apollinabe. A very important part of the community is the central meeting area. It's a tall, strong gazebo construction covered in a raised concrete area under which the entire community could gather. Indeed, this was the area where our hosts prepared and laid out our food for us during the day. Here's Lights for Learning volunteer Andrew Noble during the fitting of the lights for this area. Can you describe to me what you're doing here? Right now. At the moment, what we're doing is at each post, we're putting a string of lights across and perpendicular across that as well. And then in the middle, we're going to throw a cable up and that's going to hold a bulb in the centre. At the moment, we just mean drilling the um, holes and then putting eyelets in, uh, measuring up, and then just cable ties in each eyelet for the moment. Uh, now, as the children in the background are popping the bubbles of the uh, packaging that protected the solar panels, uh, Pete is going to tell me uh, how, how much progress we've made. Well, I'm pleased to tell you, we've finished. <laughs> the houses have been completed. We've fitted to five solar panels. We've also done the community area and we've also done the school, uh, which has gone very, very quickly. But we haven't been doing this on our own completely, have we? No, we haven't. No, we've had that help from the local technical college with uh, some electricians that just turned up. 
and they've got on with the job very, very quickly. Someone else from another school came along. What's all that about? An interest in what we're doing here today has resulted in what? We were told that there were 25 houses here. In fact, there's only 10. So we've got lots of spare kit to use, lots of spare bulbs. A young lady called Emma, she has a school about two hours drive away. They have no power there whatsoever. So she's very keen on us going up there and installing solar lighting in her school. And that will take a day to do that. So we will probably have the time to do it as well. Because otherwise we would have just left the excess equipment here. Absolutely, and we don't want to do that. This way we control where it goes. That's the important thing. I'm Emma, Emma Randall. I come from England. Um, I work for a, a very small British charity called Heart of the Father and we partner with Goward Kalinga in education and I'm currently working with Goward Kalinga with the Child and Youth Development Programme. We'll be hearing more from Emma in part two when we travel northwards to Peace Village. Meanwhile, back at the Welcome Home community, another Lights for Learning volunteer, Michelle Stewart, tries to describe the lighting in the dusk. Michelle, you're, um, you're new to this and you've been working to put some of these lights up here. Explain what it was you actually did today. We did all the wiring, connecting the boxes to the ceilings, um, installing the bulbs, connecting it all up to the main junction box and then running a wire down to the battery. And the measuring as well? and, and the Yes, measuring. Oh, so much. <laughs> and what sort of interest did you get from little nippers like these around here? Amazement. The, their eyes lit up, just like the bulbs. It looks absolutely amazing. The difference, the brightness, is crystal clear. It's, it's fabulous. It really is. It's now getting quite dark, isn't it? It's, it's sort of gone beyond dusk now, and um, this one particular house is using the lights. It's like daylight inside still. The light inside just now at dusk. It's fantastic for reading, studying, drawing, whatever the kids or adults want to do. As you can hear, it's raining. Well, we are in the rainy season for the Philippines, but so far on the trip, the rain has actually fallen uh, during the night, just leaving the ground wet for us uh, during the day. But today, the, the rain just hasn't stopped all night, and it's continued uh, up till now, which is 11 o'clock, you can hear some banging in the background, which is a chap who is effectively building a wood stepping stone construction uh, from the gazebo, the central gathering assembly place, all the way to our storeroom, which is about 30 metres away. And today we are going to be working out how much stock we have, how much equipment, how many wires, bulbs, uh, so that we can see how much we've got to take to the school in Sigai. Uh, luckily our hosts are using 4x4 transport which has basically meant that we've been able to make it through the floods. Uh, going through Bacolod, uh, the streets, children playing in large puddles, uh, shop fronts, just water pouring through and this is something that they, they're used to here. Uh, so they're just getting on with life but it makes for a fascinating street scene for us. And off goes the truck with all our stuff to Sagai. So now we're off to go up north as well. (laughs) 
And so it came to us leaving. But not before we and everyone who had donated to this project were thanked. would like to thank all of you, especially the, the Lights for Learning who came here and a big help and we are so happy about uh, what you're doing for all of us. Uh, we are so grateful to all of you, that's why what you're giving us is much, much, much more than what, uh, what we could offer back in return. So this hospitality comes from our hearts. That's very kind. I'm sure that the people who've donated to, to make this project yeah, yeah. happen. Uh, yeah, I, well, I don't know them. I'm very grateful for all of them. To all of them, I mean. Santiago Franco, thank you. Okay, thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Join us again in part two, where we'll be talking to the mayor of Bacolod City and members of the Peace Village Goward Kalinga team, who tell us more about how our work contributes to theirs. Thank you to Bacolod City's Couples for Christ group, without whom we would have been wet, hungry and lost. My name is Adam Larking, and until the next time, goodbye. This podcast is brought to you by LittleSmasher.com.